All the way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were in a perfect relationship with God. And they had this open door policy where they saw God every day face to face. And they lived in this garden paradise called the Garden of Eden. And they could have everything they wanted. The only restriction that God gave them was there was this one tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that was in the center of the garden. God says, this is the one thing you cannot partake of. Anything else that you see is good for you to eat. And of course, being human beings, what is the one tree that they hung out next to? The one with the forbidden fruit. And when they took of that fruit and they ate it, they slammed the door on their face to face relationship with God. Now, God being a compassionate God, he took an animal, an innocent third party. He slayed that animal. He killed that animal and he took the skin and he covered up their sin, covered up their their nakedness. But the relationship had forever been changed. Now, if you fast forward a little bit in the Old Testament, uh, Moses and Aaron are leading the, the Israelites and they've come out of Egypt and God commanded them to have something called the Day of Atonement. And what the Day of Atonement was, it was this one day out of the year. It was the most important holiday of the, of the Jewish calendar. And the Day of Atonement, the high priest would make all kinds of sacrifices for the sins of the people and for his own sins. He would do a total of 16 sacrifices on the Day of Atonement. And uh, 12 of those were burnt offerings, and then four of those were sin offerings. So he would have to take off his priestly garments on that day, put on just some regular garments. He would kill all these animals, uh, and, and he would sprinkle the blood. He would have to do these ceremonial washings. And one of the things he would do is he would put his hands on a goat. It was called a scapegoat, where he would pray, and, and God would impute all of the sins of the nation on this animal. They would take the goat out into the wilderness and kill the goat out there. And then when he had done everything... Sacrifice for his own sins, sacrifice for the sins of the people, done these ceremonial washings. He would put his his priestly garments back on and he would come into the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, there was a veil. There was a door between what's called the holy place and the most holy place. You may have heard it as the holy of holies. And before he walked into the Holy of Holies, the other priest would tie a rope around his ankle with a little bell on it because only the high priest could go behind the veil, go behind the door once a year. And he better do everything perfectly. He better have followed everything God said to do, because if he didn't and he walked in there and he was impure before a holy and pure God, God would strike him dead. Only the high priest could go in only on the Day of Atonement and only if he'd done everything right. So they put the bell on his ankle so that when dude quit jingling, then he was dead. And they would pull his corpse out with the rope so that nobody else would die. Now, the reason this was necessary, this veil between the most holy place where God's presence was and, and the holy place and, and really everywhere else that people were. The reason this happened is it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden with this closed door policy. And this stayed in effect until Jesus Christ came on the scene. And Jesus said in John ten nine, I am the door. Put that verse up there, actually. I am the door and the person who comes to me will be saved We'll go in and out and we'll find pasture. Well, there's some pretty incredible things that Jesus offers us today. He doesn't say, I am one of many doors. He says, I am the door. And there's some things that he promises. If you'll come through the door of Jesus Christ, there are three things that he promises you. First, he says, you'll be saved. Now, Jesus says, I'm the only door. I'm the only way. I'm the only truth. I'm the only life. You come through the door. 
And he is the only door on this planet where you get to have a relationship with the God who created you and who created everything. But he's also the only door to an eternity in heaven forever. And that comes through him. He says, you want to be saved, then you have to come through me as that door. Second thing he says in this passage is you'll be safe when he's talking about going in and out. This was a picture of a shepherd being the door, the literal door. He would lay in front of the pen and the sheep would go in and out. This has to do with with you being safe in your everyday life, because the Bible tells us that there is a book of life, a lamb's book of life. And when you become saved, when you walk through the door of Jesus Christ, he is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's a book of life and he writes your name in the book. Jesus Christ is the one who writes your name. He's the only one that can even open that book. So if you want to be safe forever, then you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the door. And then the third thing is, he says, you'll find pasture. And what that means is you'll be satisfied. The most satisfied people I know have discovered who they are. In Christ Jesus, and they live out that purpose on this planet. Jesus explains that the very next verse, there's an enemy. There's a false door. And there's a a false shepherd who wants to lead you to the door of destruction. He says in verse 10, John 10, 10, a thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's Satan. That is your enemy. He wants to um, steal the joy that you should have, that your creator wants you to have. He wants to kill your relationships and he wants to destroy your future. Jesus said, but I came to give life, life in all its fullness. So he says, satisfaction, finding pasture for the sheep. That's when your hunger, your needs were satisfied. And Jesus again says, I am that only door. Now, what we've done today is I, I talked to some women this week and I asked them some keys about the door to a woman's heart. And I want you to listen to this interview and, and listen to the things that these ladies say. And I'm going to come back and give you some stuff at the end. But there, there is a door to a woman's heart. And there is not the door. You got two choices. You can whine and complain, men, that these women can't live with them, can't live without them. But you remember we've said that we're stupid. When it comes to relationships, men are stupid. Y'all are giggling. Nobody agrees. Every man I know is stupid when it comes to relationships. And so I said, give us a roadmap. We can't read your mind. Give us a roadmap and we'll get there. So today we have four women that, that we've asked them. And on the bottom of the screen, you'll see some of the questions that I asked them. And this is just their reaction. It's funny because all of them were so nervous. And they have their little cheat sheets down there on the table, but they didn't use their cheat sheets. They did a great job. Listen to what they had to say. Grandmothers are so important in, in their 
grandchildren's lives, and my grandmother was the same for me. She was so strong um, in her relationship with Christ and just the model that she showed me and how to live and um, how to treat her spouse and to always put God first in the decisions that she makes and um, try to impart that in all of us. And She was just so loving. She had so much love for everybody. There was enough room for everybody in her heart, and uh, I really admired that about her that um, she didn't meet a stranger and she would welcome anyone into her house at any time and give them whatever she could. And so I really um, learned a lot from her and miss her a lot now that she's gone, but um, she definitely left a great legacy to try to live up to. I think my mom, of course, my mom, uh, she's just a strong woman. She uh, had some hard times in her life and she handled them gracefully and now that she's sick, she's handling that gracefully and um, I guess now in the season of life I'm in right now, I'm meeting some older women to kind of take her place. Even though mom's not gone yet, I still need some women to take her place. And God has provided that through some special ladies. For me, I think I'm just going to follow suit with the grandparents because um, for me, my mom's mom, we call her Nanny, and she is still living, and um, I'm so grateful to have her still in my life because a lot of my friends, they don't have, you know, their grandparents anymore, and um, she's taught me so much just over a cup of coffee in the morning and um, just about, you know, parenting and marriage and um, her marriage has not been easy um, but never once has it crossed her mind to actually you know leave that's not a choice for her and um, so just having having her as a role model and you know has, has helped me you know with my marriage and um, just in life in general but um, she's just a good person, and she's very hospitable, and she loves having people over. So my granddad passed away when he was about 50, and so young. And my grandmother loved and adored him. He was so good to her, and she really just trusted the Lord. She never was with another man. Um, he was just her everything, and so she just drew on the Lord's strength. And that when she was 86, so she's been a long time, but without him. That was, she just honored that marriage and loved him and just like that, she just got awarded and strength. I think as mothers and, and wives, we have to be able to multitask, and I think men have a hard time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thinking about more than one thing at a time. Um, especially in our house it's like you gotta juggle lunch and dinners and baseball and work and everything else so definitely most of the women that I know have a handle on doing lots of things at once and having lots of um, balls in the air. I agree. I, I would say multitasking is definitely one of our gifts that we make but also um, the ability to change um, I know things in my life are always changing, whether it be work or home or, you know. Um, they see the emotional side of things where men are more fixers. Oh, give me a problem. I can fix it. Yeah. And uh, women are more of the, oh, more the nurturing and emotional uh, part of the marriage. So, you know, the man 
his role is being the fixer provider, man to man, and then uh, women are more of the nurturers. And I think we tend to want to um, please everybody. So we balance that too. To meet everybody's needs. Which can sometimes lead to frustration because you're trying to make everybody happy and meet everybody's needs, which can leave us frazzled and in need of a bubble bath. <laughs> At the end of the day, I know I do. <laughs> I would say for me, it would be um, security. That's always been a need for me, just security. Um, Financial security, security in my marriage, it's always been a great thing for me personally. I think for me, I agree with the security. Um, also, for me, um, to make sure, to feel that what I do is important. Um, I don't know, sometimes I feel like doing the laundry or doing the dishes or just the everything, everyday stuff just ends up in a big pile of nothing, nothingness. But I know it's important, and I know if I don't do it, it just gets crazy out of hand. So I know it's important, but I don't always feel like it's important. So to know that what I do is important is a big deal to me. Personally, it's more just being valued and appreciated for the things that I do around the house and for the kids. It's more the intimacy, the feelings I need in life. Appreciate it. Because I feel like, um, because I'm here during the day with the grown kids, but then you know, I go to the shop too and do the books. But sometimes I feel like, sometimes I feel like with Dwayne, he feels like he goes to work. He wants to be appreciated like men do. and, and um, all his accomplishments, but then it's not reciprocated sometimes. I feel like so. I'm about you too. Now I'm here. You know, it's your heart is important. It's just yeah. that, and yeah. And, and then I feel like it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard work. <laughs> I wouldn't work. I didn't work this hard when I worked at uh, right. work. Yeah. I, it's a all day, every day. I don't get to quit job unless I'm sick and I'm not sick that often. And even then, unfortunately. <laughs> and even then, you know, you still have to crawl out of bed and find something for somebody. So. I mean, thanks. Like, cause, like, just recently, I was really sick. There was a stomach virus and I just got really sick. And I remember thinking, wow, this feels really nice. Even though I'm just really sick, this feels really good that I am just able to sleep. And the, I didn't want the kids to get it, obviously, and he didn't either, so he took the kids and, like, shut the bedroom door and just left me alone to sleep. And it was awesome. And I kept thinking, why don't I get sick more often? <laughs> so I pretend you're sick. I pretend that I'm sick just so I can get a minute. But you're right, it doesn't stop. And sometimes it doesn't feel important. Like we're doing the same. With Mark and I, I will pour my heart four or five minutes I'm talking about my feelings, my needs, and then I'll look at him and he just he either doesn't say anything or he says, what do you want me to say? Something other than that, please. And it just frustrates me because, well, I don't know what to say. And it's like, 
okay, I feel like I've just poured my heart and soul out on the table and you have no response to what I've just said. I would love for him to say that he acknowledges my feelings and that he understands and he might Even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) And that maybe he'll try to, to do something or take action on what I've said you know, to either change it or to fix it or to help in, in some way. <laughs> I don't think there are any particular words that really set me off. I think it's tone of voice mm-hmm. and facial expressions that really, I don't really, it doesn't really make me mad. It more hurts my feelings more than anything. So, don't have any. Whatever do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Mine. When I ask kids to do something, just it could be, you know, can you, I don't know, just do something, you know, minor, and it's like, I'll do it later. I'm like, well, no, you won't, because it doesn't ever get done. If he says he's going to do it later, it never gets done. And so if I hear that, that really makes me mad. So, um, and then the other for me, it was just like, if he doesn't say anything at all, like you were saying, like he just stares at me, or, um, when we go to bed, I like to talk. That's that's when I, you know, because I'm still and the thoughts just, you know, start flowing. He doesn't say anything at all, like you were saying. Like, he just stares at me. Or um, when we go to bed, I like to talk. That's that's when I, you know, because I'm still and the thoughts just, you know, start flowing. And um, when I'm talking and he falls asleep, that just in the night, I was talking and I was telling the story, and all of a sudden I heard him snore. And I was like, that's better here. So, what a conflict about that. Well, he knows he does. Well, I've learned, like, and you say, you ask him to do something, he'll do it later. I've kind of learned to say, hey, can you take the trash out right now? I think uh, if Doug would come and see what I'm doing and act interested, even if he doesn't have to be, he can just act interested and doesn't have to necessarily join me. Just, what are you doing? Oh, that's really neat. And ask me a few questions about what I'm doing, and then he can leave. I think (laughs) that may seem silly, but uh, that would... To me, that would pour value into me. What I'm doing is important, whether it's scrapbooking or whether I'm cleaning the toilet. It doesn't matter to me. That would show that what I'm doing is valuable. Kind of back to what we were saying, actually ask, is there anything I can do for you today? Do you need me to do anything? Um, That would be a nice, refreshing change. Kind of what we were talking about earlier, I just want to be heard, and whether you care or not, you know, pretend like you do, and don't um, mentally check out, you know, grabbing the remote and acting like you're listening to me doesn't show that you really care about me. Eye contact. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Courtesy. We're kind of at a stage right now to where, um, we, like you were saying, if you could just ask, you know, what do you need for, you know, what what can I do to help you today? Um, whether that be, you know, just getting Emily's homework done or um, if he would offer to get up with Ella.
throughout the night and let me sleep one night. That, to me, would just say that, that he did value me and he valued my health and, and my mental stability. <laughs> um, because that, you know, that is a challenge every day to get up and, and go on, you know, three, four hours of sleep every night. And to me, that would, that would you know, pour value into me and show that he cared. I didn't have any because I've already gotten rid of them if he didn't even notice that they were gone. <laughs> 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 yeah. hmm. As I see things that need to go, I just make them go. <laughs> so. Well, Keith has this one pair of cargo pants. I cannot stand the pants. They are raggedy. They have holes in them. He never, he does not want me to iron them, even when I was trying to make them look decent. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, he, um, he's lost the button twice on them. The button's a button and shut. So um, <laughs> one day, I actually just, I was like, okay, I did laundry, I washed them, and I thought, you know what, I'm not putting those back in this drawer. So I threw them in the trash. Well, we found them and got them out of the trash without me knowing it. And then we were going fishing. We were taking Emily fishing one day, and we had to go to Walmart. And he had Elle on his hip, and he was walking into Walmart, and he's like, Heather, Heather, get Ella, because his pants were falling down. <laughs> and he couldn't pull them back up. So we had to actually go and get a safety pin. So those, those pants still have a safety pin in them, and he will not let me get rid of them. So that would be the article of one. <laughs> And he's worn them to church a few times. I'm sure y'all know. He's going to be looking for those. He said he was going to wear them Sunday. Let's have them on. Yeah, yeah, your special outfit. Doug has a Galveston shirt. It's uh, just a t-shirt, but it's tie-dye, this maroon tie-dye. It's Galveston across it, navy blue, and it's just not my favorite shirt. I just like to see it go. And I keep washing it and folding it to back in the drawer because I love him and he loves the shirt, so I'm going to keep washing it and folding it. <laughs> and if my dear, maybe Holly should come over to my house. Yeah, I'll be more than happy to come over and clean out your clothes. Holly's in here. <laughs> and Joy has this cap. And it's got a long ponytail on the back. <laughs> and he thinks that is just hilarious. And one day we went to Dallas to meet Kurt's boss. And he thought it would be funny. So he wore this cap in there. And he yeah, liked to trash that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to even think about the potential of having it all together at any point in my life. Um, I think every relationship has its its struggles, some more open than others, but um, some more challenging than others, but definitely everybody struggles with something in their marriage and it's constantly changing and becoming something else at another stage. And there's always something to work through and work on. And we've really struggled a lot this year with Benjamin starting kindergarten. It was a very traumatic experience for all of us, um, and I was practically in tears the first three days of school um, because of the issues he was having, and uh, and it's hard being a mom, and, and I am more of a fixer. Um, I just wanted to get in there and fix everything, and Mark tended to be uh, much late, more laid back than I was. Oh, everything's going to 
be okay. And I was like, no, we've, we've got to get in there and fix what's going on. And um, it's very difficult to see him having such a hard time. Um, and he's, he's definitely made tons of progress this year. But it was it was hard for Mark and I to communicate about it because we just thought so differently about what needed to be done. And I felt very alone that I didn't have my partner um, to be as concerned about I think we've done that too. Emily started kindergarten this year. I guess I just didn't realize um, that how mean kids can be. And um, she's kind of like me. She kind of wears her feelings you know, on her sleeve. Um, I'm a word, or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a word of affirmation. And, and she is too. And we've learned that. Um, and when kids just, they tear your kid down, you know, and it, it, they come home and you, you want to fix it and you want to make it better and it, it's been hard on me to see her go through that because you know I look at her and I think wow she's such a great kid you know but you know she she likes to play sports and she's really smart and she can read really well and but kids they they are so mean and they're always going to find something and as, as parents you want to fix it and you want to make it better but it, you just can't and it's been a struggle for us this year to just realize that she's going to have to, you know, toughen up a little bit. And she's going to have to just work through it. And, um, but key things more so than I do. Like, I'm like, no, who is this kid? <laughs> but um, it's been a struggle. And then, uh, I think you struggle with your kids. And, and I think, too, you feel like, when they're small, you know, it's such a hectic time, and, and then when they get older, and their chain is a little longer, you know, and, and you aren't right there with them, um, it really challenges your faith, and, um, and your marriage, too, because you do, you don't always think the same, and we've gone through um, something with every one of our children that wrong decisions and going down the wrong road and um, it's tough it's really tough it really um, I don't know how women um, mothers wives make it without the Lord I really don't because you almost hope you can get through it with it um, get through the circumstances with him so um, but you just you draw back on, you know, I know my mom did, and I, and I did the same thing. You just draw back on that you raised them up the way that they should go, and they will come back to it. And um, I know in a small group, I've shared um, with our oldest, um, kind of going his own way, which they do when they, they are in their 20s. Um, and, you know, you just um, keep that prayer alive, and you share it with others. And then you get to see God work, and, and He always does in His time. It's hard sometimes to wait, but um, he, He's always faithful. I think learning to, my kids are kind of in between. Uh, of course, they're not kindergarten, and they're not in their 20s, or just in high school, Caleb is. So learning to let go is a struggle. That I have not being their everything, and they don't want me to be their everything. Like, mom, 
COVID, and that's hard for me because I've, I've been there everything from the beginning. And you don't want me there for this? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll have to be okay with that. I want to honor their decision to do this on their own. And that's kind of tough. Mm-hmm. It is tough. Um, we struggle with friends. Friends for our kids. We had our daughters had uh, their best friends leave because because we homeschool. You know, your friends are limited, and, and when they left, it was just a, it was a hard thing to see to see them go and to to find someone to take that place to find another friend. That's hard to do. And so we just really pray about that for all of our kids. And, you know, I want them to grow up and have memories of kids. You know, remember we did this with so-and-so? And so friends have been a struggle at our house finding uh, good friends for our kids to grow old with or do stuff with, hang out with. And God has provided. And so it's been neat to watch friendships bloom, develop, and, and for me to think, oh, maybe this is where God has provided in a way I didn't expect. It's been a struggle, but it's also been a blessing to watch. I think, you know, we've talked about this a lot, just kind of going back to how you want us in the first place. You know, I think about how many cards I would get and how many phone calls I would get and how many just unexpected visits I would get wherever I was. And it's like, it doesn't really happen a whole lot anymore. I'm lucky to lucky to get a card on Mother's Day and uh, on birthdays. And, um, so just kind of going back to that courtship. Would be nice. I think occasional flowers would be nice. Uh, that used to not be a big deal to me, but it's becoming a big deal to me. Now I don't know why. Even, even when you can plant the ground, I don't care. It'll last longer to the ground. Occasional flowers would be romantic. That's pretty good. It's a romantic. I'm not a romantic, flowery. I just, I'm, it makes me uncomfortable. Like, I don't, I don't like a lot of, uh, I don't know, emotional, like, flowery. I don't like that. But I think if kids were to be more spontaneous and like to be, um, he, he likes to go out and do things because he, he tends to become more of a homebody and I have to make him go and do things. And so um, if he would just be spontaneous one day and just instead of, um, you know, planning a date or planning this or planning that, you know, just say, hey, you know, let's go do this or just me and you, let's go do this or just even when I'm washing dishes, just kiss me out of the blue instead of Let's go where I'm not because I'm the planner. I'm the one who always 
gets everything going, and for him to just take that, you know, role, which is outside of what he's comfortable right. doing, to show me, hey, this is important, and I want to spend time with you, and I've got it all lined up, you don't have to do a thing, would be nice. I think, I think every girl would, even though she may say that she likes to be in charge, I think, it's just clean, but I think that every girl would like a man to take charge, and I'm manning up right now, and I'm going to take this off before she sees it, since she's in the back. Um, now, guys, we have a choice to make when, when we listen to our wives. And by the way, you ladies did a great job. Um, didn't they do a great job sharing? Uh, so, men, from this point forward, if your relationship tanks... You're beyond stupid. You're choosing this door. All right? We had four different ladies say, okay, here's the door to my heart. Here's, here's some ways that you can win me and keep me. And by the way, dudes, it is so hard. I was running around. We had two tripods, and I'm the one filming. It is so hard not to say things. In fact, Mark... When, when she, Holly was doing this thing and we edited out this part, but Holly's talking about when I pour out my heart and, and Mark just looks at me and he says, what do you want me to do? And she's going on and on. I finally stopped and I said, what do you want him to do? Because I didn't know. And, and I was trying to, you know, helping, helping a brother out. We're trying to stay together. But, but here's the thing. And, and, and I don't, I don't want to um, diminish what the lady said because we've got to figure out a way to communicate and, and if I'm doing something that, that I think is romantic and my wife doesn't receive the romance, I've just wasted time and money. So when Janie tells me stuff, I have been going around everything she's done this week. What are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? She's like, you're making fun of me. I said, no, I'm not. I'm not. She was teaching school the other day and I hugged her. I said, what are you doing? She said, shut up. Um, <laughs> I said, I'm not making fun of you. You told me to do this, and so I'm coming. Next time she cleans the toilet, I'm going to walk in and say, what you doing? Because I'm trying to turn up that heat romantically. Now, <laughs> here's the thing as we finish up today. Um, ladies, you need a man who will never leave you. You need a man who will never forsake you, and that's not someone who's human. And so we go back to the door. Jesus said, if you want to be saved, if you want to have eternal security, I'm that door. And by the way, men, if, if you want to be the man of her dreams, you've got to walk through that door too. Submission is never an issue for, for a woman whose, whose man is wholeheartedly following God. Never see that. When there's submission issues, one or both of you are not going towards Jesus Christ. You're moving away. And ladies, here's, here's some good news. You are influencers in your home. And regardless of whether your husband's being the spiritual leader in the home, 
You have an eternal father who said, I will give you what you need to influence your family. And look what he says in 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. In the same way, you wives must submit yourselves to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe God's word, your conduct will win them over to believe. It will not be necessary for you to say a word because they will see how pure and reverent your conduct is. When you are secure in your identity in Christ, you influence your family, your husband and your children towards that door. I, uh, I heard about a poll that was done with elementary students um, fairly recently. And they asked them about the best things that are going on in our world and the worst things that are going on in our world. And the worst things, they said stuff like war, murder, being a bully. That's like one of the worst things in the world is being a bully. On their best list, number one, they said, being a celebrity is the best thing in the world. Number two, they said, having good looks. Number three, they said, having wealth. And down at number ten... They said, God, God's number 10. I think it's because they're watching us. And we worship celebrities. We worship good looks. We worship wealth. And we pretend to know God. Ladies, you have more power than you know to influence your husband, your children, and future generations if you'll sell out your heart to God. And your kids, you want them to be safe. You want them to be um, saved. You want them to be satisfied. Well, the last thing is satisfied. See, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we said the Israelites, when they, when they left Egypt. See, Egypt was the land of not enough. And God promised to take the Israelites to the land of more than enough. And the weird thing is, on that journey from the land of not enough to the land of more than enough, some strange things happened. They decided they were going to stay in the land of just enough. And uh, my fear is that many of you here today, you're settling for the land of just enough. Men and women both, you're settling for the land of just enough. Just enough, God, to make you feel okay about where you're going to go when you die but not enough of God to really go deep spiritually. Just enough of God to get you through a crisis, but not enough of God to influence your family and other people towards the door of Jesus Christ. So here's the big question as we finish this whole series on doors. What am I doing or not doing um, that keeps me from living the life of more than enough? If Jesus really is the door to satisfaction... What do I need to do or stop doing so that I can begin to experience the God of more than enough? The God who wants to do things through me that are God-sized. What, am I, what do I need to do or stop doing that helps me move through that door? Why don't you cancel some reservations in the land of just enough and take God's hand and walk through the door to more than enough? Your children and your grandchildren will thank you for it. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray for families today. I see it. I hear about it. I see the devastation over and over again. The enemy has stolen our joy for living. The enemy is killing relationships because we're choosing to live in the land of just enough. And he's destroying our futures.
Help us today to have a clue about how to follow you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, um, if you look at this door, do you know what these, this style of door is called? It's called the cross and Bible door. Actually, put that first picture up there. You see at the top, there's a cross. You see the cross there? And then at the bottom, that represents a, a, a Bible. Put the next one up there. If we're going to make the journey to the land of more than enough and take our families with us, it's all about the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's all about making his word more than just a paperweight that collects dust. The Old Testament, God says these words are not idle words. These words are your life. I challenge you to make them central to your life and to your family. Would you take your registration cards and fill those out for me today? And I just want you to write on the back. We always ask you to write something on the back, you know, some type of commitment. Some of you here are not saved. You do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never walked through the door. So your greatest need is to be saved. If you recognize that, write that word on the back. I need to be saved. If you've been struggling in that relationship with God, then, then you need to be safe. You need to feel uh, close to him. And, and he's not left, by the way. You've left him. So maybe you need to write down safe on there. And maybe, maybe you've been struggling with the whole satisfied thing. Maybe you've forgotten that, that God has more for you. The land of more than enough. Just, just put satisfied on the back. If you have some prayer concerns, then uh, put those on there and I, I will pray for you throughout the week. We have three baskets at the back. One is our joy basket. That's where all of our church members, regular attenders, we expect you to give. That's what the Bible says, and so we just do what God tells us to do. If you're a guest, we never ask for a dime of your money. This is our gift to you. You just keep coming and, and hearing about this door to the life that you want. There's another basket. It's our registration card basket. Uh, that's where you put those cards. Uh, any prayer concerns, be sure and put those on there. Third basket is our building a great life basket. I love it. I didn't know where that came from until this week. Um, what was that movie? Naked Gun, 33 and a half, two and a half, two and a quarter, two and something. Anyway, we, uh, we are paying off debt as quickly as we can and uh, in the future intend to build a new worship center out here on the parking lot. So that's where you put that. We ask you to make a separate check if you're building, if you're put part of the bagel, that's building a great life acronym. If you, if you want to give to bagel, do that on a separate check because we put that, everything that comes in there goes straight towards the principal on our loan. It's time to eat. Right? How many of you going out to eat? The rest of you are eating at home? Or you're not eating, you're fasting on Mother's Day? All right, well, y'all have a great Mother's Day.